Thoughts Comics Now. Knock, knock, let the devil in. Manevolent as I've ever been. Head is spinning. This medicine screaming. Dick, 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 medicine. Dick, dick, dick. Hello, how comic book fans. Welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 177, where I do a lot of strong recommending, but only lightly reviewing, of what I consider to be the best of the new comic books that just came out this last Wednesday, October 3rd. And this particular podcast, like Venom, can live on just chocolate, tater tots, and heads? <laughs> I am your friendly neighborhood host, Chris Latore. I hope that all is good with you and yours. That's what's most important. Please hit the subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Check out all of our past podcasts on our giant Sunspots Comics podcast feed. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube at Sunspots Comics. And I always like to start the show with some thank yous. It's always nice to be humble and pay some respects to the folks that you appreciate. First and most importantly, thank you to you. Yes, you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunspots Comics podcast. Whether this is your first time just trying us out or you're a Sunspots Comics loyalist, seriously, thank you for choosing the Sunspots Comics podcast. Next, Thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for making and singing our wonderful Sunspots Comics theme song. Check out his solo singing stuff on Facebook.com slash PopDs and also his band called Solution at Facebook.com slash Solution Reggae. If you love reggae and rock and ska and just love putting them all together to feel good, then you're going to love the tunes of Mr. Nick Papa George and his band Solution. So thank you, Nick. Also, thank you to our sponsor, PopUpTea.com. PopUpTea.com, if you love a super giant selection of nerdy t-shirts, then you're going to absolutely love PopUpTea.com. Use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order. That's right, even the clearance stuff. So check them out. They got a ton of t-shirts. And thank you to PopUpTea.com. And last, but certainly nowhere near the least, Thank you to a podcast listener, Sam the Hawk One. Thank you so much for just taking the time out of your busy day to just give us a glowing positive review with five stars on iTunes. Your absolutely super kind words inspired me and fueled me to continue my mission, which of course my mission is to just talk about my love of comic books and help you listeners by by just recommending new great comic books to buy. So thank you to Sam the Hawk One. Your positive energy just really means a lot to me and just absolutely brought a big old huge venom-like smile to my face. Oh, and don't forget, Sam the Hawk number one, please send me your address to Chris at sunspotscomics.com so I can mail you a small token of my gratitude with a awesome comic book prize pack. It's filled with some comic books and other comic book fun stuff, so don't forget to send me your address. And please, you, the listener, give us a five-star review and some positive words on iTunes, and you can also get the same nerdy prize pack for free, just for taking the time to give us a little review. You'll get it right from yours truly, right here, me, Chris, from Sunspots Comics. Now, let's make a giant superhero awesome landing into the center of the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 177, starting out with some stuff! That's been floating up inside of my nerdy brain. The first nugget of nerd lodged ever so deeply in my symbiote-filled nerdy frontal lobes is my Venom movie review. And before I begin, spoiler alert. 
You have been warned. This will be primarily my feelings on some of the parts of the Venom movie, uh, but I try not to spoil everything or every aspect of the movie Venom, but just in case you've been spoiler alerted. So here you go, here is my Venom movie review. And it's kind of all over the place, it's a smattering of my notes and just how I feel about it. The first act was a bit of a slow, kind of of course, origin story, which I'm glad they did. I know they changed some things, which was fine. I was able to just accept those. Uh, the look of Venom, most importantly, they captured it correctly. He is a giant behemoth of a thing, and I really dug that. Just muscle upon muscle. Even when Venom turned back into Eddie Brock, you saw that he just shrank like two feet. That's appropriate, and they captured that perfectly. I was a little bummed that there was the lack of the white spider. I just wanted that little teeny connection to Spider-Man. I know Sony wants to completely separate themselves, but it would have just been nice. And I can't, I couldn't help but in every frame that I saw Venom to just kind of looking, does that sort of form like a white spider on his chest? But no, <laughs> negative. But also they captured really well the sound of Venom. I loved the voice, just the gravelly deep voice. And just the, the liquidy sound that you hear every so often, it's kind of what I expected in my mind, and it delivered in that regard. The violence of Venom was just perfectly matched. I mean, it was just on the edge of R. It definitely was a high PG-13. I remember him saying one F-bomb, by the way, which I know the, that uh, definitely gets them leaning towards R. But just the, the absolute just... Brutal violence captured it perfectly well. He, uh, they did some things off of screen, which was fine. I know they had to edge it to not get the R rating, which they decided on. I think they should have gone R, but it still was just absolutely fine. Venom's personality, I thought, was great. He was definitely what I f could just configure him to be in my mind, which is a smart alecky, murdery kind of alien creature. So that was very well captured. Uh, the score, you know, I'm a big advocate for just comic book movie scores and they've got to be good i really enjoyed this one it did have a thematic repeating sort of tone that to me says hey it's venom he's on the scene he's on the, on the screen which makes sense and i really enjoyed it it just had this ominous slash heroic theme to it which fit very well so just hats off to the score the 3D effect, I enjoyed some of it. I would say overall I would give it like a B as far as the 3D effect goes. There were times where it almost seemed like it wasn't in 3D and then other times the tendrils of the symbiote seemed to come just towards your face. And I was like, yes, I'm, here we go. I actually wanted some of the cornier 3D aspect because it seems like no one wants to do that anymore. They're afraid that it'll be considered corny. I say bring some of that on. I wanted some splashes of, of just, you know, Venom's just goo to be on the screen but we didn't get that but i would give it a b overall it was surprisingly nice in a few scenes where it did that but overall was very sort of tempered and tamed as far as 3d goes uh i love the eminem song i play it in the intro and the outro it fit perfectly well i want to listen to all the lyrics of course eminem says 5,000 words per song but it just seemed to have the right tone and feel when it was played in the end credits of the movie I really enjoyed that Eminem song. Bought it immediately and play it right here on this podcast. Uh, Tom Hardy's acting performance. Top notch. What we all knew to expect from a guy that can actually seriously act. So at, at no moment did I feel it was forced or he was faking it or it was unrealistic or matched him properly. His acting performance was spot on with his Brooklyn accent and everything. 
It just fit really well, and it felt right. Although I'll say Michelle Williams' acting performance, mm, on the other end of the scale. That's all I'll tell you there. <laughs> um, the villain! The villain was just kind of very fast. The third act of the film was just, it just got going, and then it was over. So um, I, that's the only little part of it. I, I know that they had to spend a lot of time in Act 1 setting up. And the middle was great and sweet. The third act really picks up and gets the action going and it cranks it to another level. The violence of the action scenes in this, absolutely memorable. It's, it's the primary reason why I want to see them again. They were fast, they were vicious, they were quick, they were in the dark. But they were just absolutely phenomenal. There, of course, were end credit bonus scenes. An extra spoiler warning. I will be talking about them. Oh, before I get into that, Stan Lee's cameo. <laughs> His cameo was strange in the way that he did reference that he sees both entities of Eddie Brock and Venom. So is he kind of, again, embracing that Watcher personality he's supposed to be with all of his cutscenes combined in the Marvel Universe? Maybe? That, that would be kind of cool. But, uh... Man, um, I gotta tell you also, I've got a strong feeling that the second Venom movie is just going to be a lot better. It's probably going to be the best of the three. I don't know, I'm just thinking, I, I thought about it for a while, and I just feel like they got the setup out of the way, and once this hits the ground running, like, two is really gonna surprise us and be amazing, but that's just my mind wandering. It had a bunch of Easter eggs, there are a ton of them, you can go online and see the giant list of them, kind of giving little nods to the Marvel Universe in particular, but one that I thought was particularly nice was the name of the building that Eddie Brock lived in. They named it the Schuler Building. This Easter egg is kind of a, a, a nice little paying respects or a little nod to the possible kind of muse or maybe even true creator, depending on how you look at it, of Venom himself. Uh, so many years ago, this Marvel comic book fan named Randy Schuler, who I guess we didn't know his name until just recently, they kept that anonymous. I guess Marvel didn't want them anyone to know. But anyway, he wrote a letter to Marvel years ago saying that Peter Parker should get a new black suit and made from the same material as the Fantastic Four and other details in this letter. But anyway, Marvel liked the idea. They wrote back to Randy and they said they loved it and they would even pay him $220 for it. Randy agreed to $220. <laughs> Man, I hope since like Disney Marvel has all the monies now that they send Randy Schuler a few shekels. Send him something. Come on, Marvel, 220 bucks for that idea that spawned Venom. Anyway, speaking of 220, the movie didn't seem too long or too short. I felt that the 2 hour and 20 minute runtime was just right. And that actually says a lot of something right there. Didn't feel too long, didn't feel too short. Uh, now, again, extra spoilery warning, because I'm going to discuss the end credits, the end scenes. There were two of them, but really only one of them, honestly, because one of them was a few minutes from the upcoming animated feature Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film, and that feels kind of a little like a forced plug, but it was fine. It was nice to see just a slice of it, not something edited. It was like seven minutes right in the middle of that animated film. So I'm seriously excited to see that. So I didn't mind it so much, but so the other end credit scene, I won't maybe detail it out, but I'll just tell you that if you're a Spider-Man comic book fan, your brain is still freaking out over that cut scene and who we get to see. I will say that if you don't really know Spider-Man comic books, you'll probably have no idea who it is, but, uh, like, I saw it with my wife, and she was kind of, who is that? And so I had to explain it. 
And she knows about Spider-Man. But anyway, it's a little inside comics. But man, great end credit scene there, folks. Stay until they're sweeping the place up. That's all I've got to tell you. So overall, what I'm saying about the Venom film was it was really good. Almost great. Right on the edge of it. I know it made a ton of money out there. So critics are speaking uh, very negatively. But it made a ton of money. So us people, us fans, I think are the, the true critics there. For me, it gets 4.5 out of 5 sunspots. It's a rewatch in the theater, preferably on an AMC Tuesday $5 night. That's when I'm going to try to go see it. This coming up Tuesday, tomorrow. And it is a buy for me when it comes out for sale. Absolutely a buy. So, it yes, it had some issues. It had some things, but I enjoyed it. I really liked it. We had a great time. Like I said, 4.5 out of 5 sunspots. So there you go. That is my Venom movie review. I hope you liked it. The next nerdy thing bouncing around inside of my nerdy, weird brain. What was that noise? That's right. That's my spider sense. It's a tingling. There it is. So it's one of those articles that made my spider sense tingle. And here it is. It's been a while since I've done one of these. But NBC News released an article called The Science of Venom. How real life parasites can take over the human brain. I love it. I love when mainstream media sources just capitalize on current pop culture. I love that. So this article, which I'll share very soon on Sunspots Comics, of course. uh, New York School of Medicine PhD microbiologist Anna Rodriguez says that parasites are all too real and have some devastating effects on their hosts. But at the same time, parasites can actually be mutually beneficial. Much like the movie Venom. One parasite in particular that she mentions, uh, this parasite was actually removing the fear of cats from mice. Like, that's crazy. Which I guess would probably hurt the mouse more than help it. (laughs) The mouse would be like, hey, there's a cat. Ah, No big deal. Then snatch, gulp. (laughs) But anyway, I felt, um, I love this article. It really just kind of inspired the imagination. I'll share it very soon at Sunspots Comics. And it just made me think, like, who who knows what other unique abilities parasites can offer? Like, what else can they do to the human brain or other animals' brains, etc.? That's why this article gets my spidey sense of tingling. That's right. Spider-Man bet. Uh, <laughs> the last thing that's floating around up inside of my nerd brain is that I'm creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. And yes, it has been so much fun. It's been a dream come true to make... My own comic book, my way, since I started reading comic books in the late 1800s. I am writing and lettering, and please follow the Zombie Destroyers team. We have artist Juan Mora at Young Minded Giant, Jordan Hudson at Skablad, and colorist Caroline Nelasco at Carol N. Art. Thank you sincerely, all of you on the Zombie Destroyers team, for helping me make my dream of creating my own comic book an absolute reality. So thank you to Zombie Destroyers team. Also, if you want to see what Zombie Destroyers looks like, just go over to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers. You'll actually see three colored sample pages. They're gloriously beautiful. So check it out. And now for a mention of our segment called Spotlighting. It's the segment of our Sunspots Comics podcast where I get to have some great conversations with comic book creators. 
please check out Sunspots Comics issue 159, for example. I interviewed comic book creator Nandini Bapat. She created this heartwarming comic book about her grandfather's life called Aja. You got to check it out. Spelled A-J-A. Please check that out on the Sunspots Comics podcast 159. Also, check out the spotlighting interview that I am very proud of. It's the interview with comic book artist and movie director Troy Nixie. He is an artist of a comic book that I loved through Dark Horse. It's called Vinegar Teeth. His art is just weird and beautifully odd. You just got to check it out. Troy Nixie's art. He also directed a movie called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. It's written by Guillermo del Toro, which I actually really enjoyed. And I say that because I don't really enjoy a lot of horror movies. So check that out. We talk about that and so much more. So just go to our podcast feed and check out the interview with Troy Nixie. But there are a bunch of spotlighting interviews with some great guests on our podcast feed because we want to help support the struggling comic book creators. So if you work in comic books or you're trying to break into comic books like me, let's chat. Send me a message and a review copy of your comic book to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com or just message me at sunspotscomics. Now, on to the main course. The centerpiece, the sweet, delicious middle of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I give you my comic book recommendations, and I share with you my favorite picks of the new comic books that just came out on New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, October 3rd. And of course, just in case, first things first, a super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. But really, don't worry, I just want to inspire you to go buy these comic books, so I really do not spoil them. I never discuss the last few pages, and I only discuss some of the interesting points in each comic book. But just in case, you've been super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alerted. And to see everything I'm reading, all encapsulated into one place, like all my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list, you will see the just updated 107 comic book titles that I'm currently reading. Also, click on Top Comic Book Picks of the Week, and you will see all of my past Top Comic Book Picks. They're all there. I update my website every week, and I'm super proud of it. Please check it out. It's sunspotscomics.com. Now, let me introduce this week's Artist Winner and Cover Artist Winner of the Week. Every week, I pick what I believe to be the best comic book art of the week. So put your eyeballs on these now. They'll be very happy and glad you did. So here we go. This week's Artist Winner of the Week is also the cover artist winner of the week it goes to one and the same person john mccray for dead rabbit issue number one from image comics please follow him at mccream man one the number one on his social media he displays a ton of his art it's gorgeous check out his social media again m-c-c-r-e-a-m-a-n-1 the number one so let me start with the cover of Dead Rabbit, issue number one. It's just absolutely striking with this lime green cover that has this all lime green background and just yellow lettering. I feel like that combination of colors is unique and we don't see that very much. John has this also very kind of flashbacky late 90s feel to his art because it's just very stylized. It's simplistic, but it's very clean and just cool looking. I just love how Dead Rabbit, the character, is just kind of posed with his fist kind of zoomed into the foreground, so it looks like he almost has this giant arm. And the contrast of blood splattered onto his kind of brass knuckles gives this just amazing contrast. So now onto the body of the comic, Dead Rabbit issue number one. John McRae has some amazing odd angling, and he just loves to live in that strange odd angled panel. He gives us this kind of tweaked perspective, and I absolutely love that. 
He just, John loves to play in the dark areas with all kinds of dark shading and like moments where the, even the object just is only peeking out at times. I love that. It's just gorgeous. He has kind of a mid-range, I would say, of hyper-detailing, but that fits very perfectly into this setting. His action sequences have the perfect amount of detail, and again, like I said, angled so properly that you always know what's happening. I really appreciate that. You've got to be able to sort of storytell in the action, and he delivers that. Thank you, John McRae. I really dig how in some of the action panels he uses this very heavy border spacing so that it's a lot of border in a smaller picture done with sort of all black bordering. It's really so that you're, in my opinion, the the, your eyes will stay in that action scene and not kind of wander to the next panel of art. And sometimes art can get all jammed together like that, so it's easy to do. No, it's like, so it has an exclamation point on that art with these dark black bordering surrounding some of the action. It's fantastic. Dead Rabbit is just set perfectly with John McRae's wonderful, gritty, stylized art. It's just fantastic. That is why he is our Artist Winner of the Week and Cover Artist Winner of the Week for Dead Rabbit Issue number one, John McRae. You've got to check it out, folks. Go and look at it. Trust me. In the breakdown, I had a huge list of 21 comics this week, and only four of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. That's right. It's super tough, folks, to make the top comic book pick list. And man, so many new number ones this week. <laughs> there were actually 12 and only four of them made it to the top pick list. That may be the most new number ones in one week that I have had in a long time or even ever for that matter. So tons, 12 new number ones in one week. It's crazy. So here are my top comic book recommendations. I read them all and I picked the great ones here for you. This is the best of the new comic books that I would recommend you go and get that just came out last Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, October 3rd. So go to your local comic book shop today and get these. So here we go. There were four great comic books that I'm about to recommend. Here we go. I think this is a first, folks, but all of four of them were new number ones. Right. That's a first. It's got to be. So here we go. Coming in at number four is Blackbird, issue number one. This is from Image Comics. This is written by Sam Humphreys and art, beautiful, clean, kind of anime style uh, art from Jen Bartel. Just very crisp, very clean. Just reminds me of, um, of an artist I love called Jonathan Luna. Check out his stuff. It's just very clean and simple, very accurate, and very kind of anime infused. But man, Blackbird issue number one, solid art. It's all about magic. It's, it's kind of centered around this sort of sad story of a character named Nina who enters, she's tight with her sister, but basically they've lost their parents, and that is kind of explained what goes down here in a very realistic, real-world kind of way before the magic begins. So it's definitely heartbreaking as to the story that begins with Nina as at 13 years old and kind of you do get, she gets aged up rather quickly. But she has an experience with magic. She sort of has a glimpse into something and then it goes away for 10 years. So she lives this life of going to therapy and questioning herself constantly. Was it real? And then she sort of gets involved with, with drugs and alcohol and other sort of bad influences in her life because it's a twisted thing that she saw and she never really knows if it's real or if she's hallucinating or if she's crazy. So it like sort of questions her mental stability and she just battles with that constantly. But the core of this is the sister, the, the bond between the two sisters. 
and it, it's just these there's a couple of heartwarming moments here that just really was inspiring because Nina's not having the best time having seen this glimpse. And I love just the look of the of the magic. It definitely has this ethereal, fairy-like glow to those moments that happen. And there is a creature that is just like something we haven't seen in a long time. It's fresh and feels interesting, and I need to know more about this creature. But they only sprinkle it in, give you a little tease, and then move on. But fantastic first issue. That's all I want to tell you. Will Nina see the magic again will she go back to that life and have sort of things explained there's this earthquake that happens as well uh called the Ver verdugo quake i wonder if it's real i'm gonna have to look it up but there is some things that happen just because of that and sort of explaining earthquakes in a different kind of way but it's magic it's wonderful check it out blackbird issue number one solid debut issue right there from image comics now, on to the top three of the great pick list. Coming in at number three is Juke Joint, issue number one from Image Comics. This is written by T. Franklin. Beautiful art, gritty, dark, heavy art from Aletha E. Martinez. Great stuff. Just started following Aletha on the social media. You should do it. Fantastic stuff. But I'll give you also a little extra warning on this. This was a very hard R comic book right here. Even at the entry of the comic, at the beginning, it gives you these trigger warnings. Like the content may trigger sensitive materials because based there is domestic violence and sexual harassment, sexual assault. It's heavy. There's a lot of that. And I don't think I've ever seen a trigger warning giving you 800 numbers to these various hotlines like the sexual assault hotline and the domestic violence hotline and the national suicide prevention hotline and womenshelters.org. Like, that's just not done. I, I like that because the content in here is heavy and dark and very hard R. So you've been doubly, triply warned there. <laughs> but this is a very dark tale of a hidden juke joint deep in the heart of the bayou somewhere. You can get your illegal spirits, you can get music and jazz and blues, you can get some nightly companionship, or just murdered if you don't <laughs> follow the rules of Mahalia. I think that is what her name is. She is like this voodoo, vengeful queen of the juke joint that will murder you if you don't follow her rules and being good. Whether you're in the juke joint or you're not, she has eyes, she knows people, she has birds that will follow you. She also has this sweet side, though, at the same time, and she will help mothers with kind of unique herbs and oils for, like, colicky babies. So she helps the neighborhood. I like that. She just has a code, a Dexter-like code there. I really enjoyed this. It was very brutal, ultra-violent. Uh, there's just, just a great world that they've created here. And Mahelia is a horrible, scary vigilante in a very unique setting, and I really love that. Old, like, blues and jazz just seem to ooze from every page of this. Uh, and the most shockingly violent sequence is where she has to feed her girls. Oh my god, it's brutal. Heavy. And, I don't know, it might be my favorite sequence because it was just really jaw-dropping. Uh, we also get a really nice setup for issue number two, leading us into what happens to a woman that came to Mahalia for help to have her abusive husband eliminated. So it's a it's dealing with some heavy-duty stuff here, like the trigger warning says at the beginning. But if you like comics that are just shocking and push the boundaries of storytelling, then this is for you. Check out Juke Joint, issue number one, now. Heavy. 
And coming in at number two is our artist winner and cover artist winner of the week, Dead Rabbit, issue number one. And this is written by Jerry Duggan, and this is our artist and cover artist winner of the week, John McRae. And wow, this is, uh, it's this very stylized flashback of the 90s style of comic. You have this very kind of popular masked thief that's just very popular, very in the now. Articles being written. He's on TV all the time. He's sort of the modern day Robin Hood that goes into retirement. And we flash forward to kind of today. And he's sort of coming out of retirement, back into the hero thing, but sort of accidentally. I like the way that it's sort of stumbling back into his life. Although it has that kind of Incredibles feel where he's kind of hiding it and he wants to get back into doing hero stuff, but he has to keep it from someone that he loves. And also, again, art winner, cover art winner, this, just the stylistic cover is awesome. But in inside, you're getting a raunchy, just violent. There's also this kind of funky, funny, kind of Cinco de Mayo riot panel. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. It's just kind of a mashing of goofy things, but it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean... Someone bashes, he bashes in someone's head with a pinata. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> Just great stuff. But he has this, this, you're not sure if it's his sister or a loved one. Not what really does he, someone he cares about named Megan who's in a wheelchair. And it really kind of, it gives that conflict to Martin to maybe he shouldn't be living that hero life and just stay home and take care of, of Megan. She has special needs and he needs to spend time at home. But also he's just very pulled to kind of going out there and sort of being a hero. There's definitely some rated R moments in this. It's definitely on the edge and edgy, but it just had this stylistic feel to it. I loved it overall. Great, gritty, 90s-ish style art. I know I keep saying that. Fantastic black bordery panel to the action sequences. You can always kind of tell what's happening. Not kind of, you always can. It's just a lot of fun. I gotta see where this is going. Dead Rabbit, issue number one. Check it out. But here we go now, on to the number one top comic book pick of the week, the great one, the champion, the top dog, the supreme leader, the big kahuna is Sparrowhawk, issue number one. That's right, the fourth and final new number one. There's so many of them. This is from Boom Studios. This is written by Delilah S. Dawson and wonderful art from Matthias Basla. Definitely, Matthias Basla was a artist runner-up right here. Definitely a close second place to John McRae. But this is issue number one. And man, I love this cover. It has this very sort of Van Gogh-like flowery cover that is done so well with the sort of fuzzing out to give it this very portrait style. But it's definitely the fairyland. And she has wings that have just sprouted and they're bleeding. And it's just a hyper clear face as well of our main character here. You got to see it. Uh, but it's a glorious, glorious cover. Definitely runner-up to cover artist winner of the week, if it wasn't for for John McRae. But, man, Sparrowhark is lovely. It's got bits of Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland, all kinds of fairy tales, basically, all mixed together. I absolutely love that. It's England in 1851, and our main character, Artemisia, is born into a family of privilege, but she is the illegitimate, illegitimate daughter born from a slave servant? I mean, it's not really spelled out per se, but it's something like that. So she has this younger sister, younger half-sister that just adores her. And it's this lovely sister relationship. Again, part of its core right there. But the older half-sister, not so much, doesn't really care for her. Despises her and hates her, absolutely. 
Then this evil queen of this kind of fairyland-ish thing tosses her into the world of fairy and steals her identity to take over the world, ultimately, we're thinking. They only hint to that as well. But I love all of this. Definitely has a Cinderella-y, fairy tale feel, and I love it. It also has this dreamy kind of wonderful feel to it. I think it's from just the, the art style, very cartoony and very dreamy and also kind of very soft around the edges at time. And just the, the pastels, multiple pastels of colors used here. Fantastic coloring. But uh, it's just gorgeous overall. I really love this strange rule they have in the Land of Fairy, which was told by this mischievous jackalope guide named Crispin. That the more you kill in fairy, the more you will earn towards getting your wings and becoming more powerful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> I just really dig that concept that some sort of higher being is taking score that every time you kill stuff, you become more powerful and get to fly eventually and get wings. But I just love that. There's also this wonderful fight sequence in this. It's just beautiful. It's glorious. I don't want to spoil the look and everything of it. It's just it's just unique looking with this unseely dark fairy. That's what they call them, unseelies. I'm just all in for this. It had the right amount of fairy adventure with beautiful, beautiful art. I just love the innocent but spunky nature of our young main character, Artemisia. They, the, you, she just wrote it so very well. It just seems like it's a, a character very close to Delilah S. Dawson's heart. That's me imagining, but get it it was absolutely just top-notch and beat out the rest by a little but a just a bunch of great new number ones this week let me tell you fantastic but there's our number one comic of the week sparrowhawk issue number one get it so now let me lock the vault door those are the new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day october 3rd please go to a local comic book shop and buy those immediately tell them chris from the sunspots comics podcast the guy that works at Aftershock Comics, sent you to them. If you have any questions, comments, or you would like a personal comic book recommendation, email me at chris at sunspotscomics.com. I would love your feedback, too. Give me some feedback. I'm very approachable. I will write you back. And would you like some free comic books? Well, guess what? From time to time, as just a little thank you to you, the listener, I give away free Marvel Digital Comic Book Codes in Sunspots Comics Podcasts, and there are still some unclaimed codes available. Just listen to the past Sunspots Comics Podcasts that are on our feed, grab the Marvel Digital Code that I usually read towards the beginning of each podcast, then go to marvel.com slash redeem to punch in the code and see if you won. It's that easy, simple, so good luck and go get them! Please sign up for our email newsletter, sunspotscomics.com slash contact, Check out cryptidzoo.com! My buddy Julian makes these awesome augmented reality t-shirts based on cryptozoology. Just use the HP Reveal app and your smartphone and every Cryptid Zoo t-shirt comes to life. You gotta see this. It's unlike any shirt out there. You will amaze your friends. Most importantly, go to cryptidzoo.com, use promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of your order. That's right, cryptidzoo.com. And please tune in next week for issue 178 of the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I will be reading a list of 22 new comics for October 10th with only one new number one coming out. And I'm hoping that it's super awesome so I can tell you about it on next week's podcast. But it's another huge week of new comic books. But you can count on me. I'll read them all and only share with you what I consider to be the best of them so you can save some time and some cash. 
Please tell a nerdy loved one to check us out at the Sunspots Comics Podcast. And please help us. Go to iTunes. Give us a Sunspots Comics positive review with a few positive words and five stars. I'll give you a shout out and I'll even thank you by mailing you a comic book prize pack as a small token of my appreciation. Like I'm going to be doing for listener Sam the Hawk 1. Thanks again, Sam. And also, thank you so much for listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you love the new comic book recommendations. Go spend some quality time with the ones you love by reading comic books together. Be like water, my friends. And goodbye. And I'm going to see you next week. I got that Comics now.